This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, Jesus said it would be better to get hit twice than to counterpunch. That's what we learned through this message. And when we look at what James, Jesus' little brother, had to say about it in James 3, bottom line, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Well, welcome back to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on our ministry team. And today, Pastor Christian and I will be having a conversation about the second message of our Christmas series entitled, The Prince Finding Peace This Christmas. Well, Pastor Christian, it's Christmas season, so do you have any Christmas shopping done, or have you even started? So I am ashamed to say, as I looked at this question, not only do I not have my Christmas shopping done, I have not even started my Christmas shopping. So It's been a busy season. (laughs) It has been a busy season, man, from Thanksgiving week to this week has, has just been crazy and not a lot of stopping in sight, so I might at least have to jump online and order some things and hope nobody steals them off my doorstep before... I retrieve them from the front porch. Yes, I've uh, I've had to look out a couple of times, but I'm with you. I'm not too far along, so I've I've got a few done, but I got a ways to go. Well, at the very beginning of of the message, you made a statement, man, that really impacted me, uh, and it's about following Jesus. and And you said um, you said this, and and really anybody listening, it should be a real challenge. You said, and if we follow Jesus, we should bring peace to the world we enter, bring peace to the community we live in and bring peace into the family we are a part of. You know, what, what is it about us that makes those attempts at bringing peace so difficult? So one of the, one of the most challenging verses in the Bible for me is Matthew 5.14, where Jesus just says very simply, you are the light of the world. And here's why that verse is, is so challenging to me. When I was in Bible college, we had to memorize the seven I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. One of those was John eight twelve. I am uh, the light of the world. So when I read across Matthew five fourteen and heard Jesus say, you are the light of the world, I stopped and I said, wait a minute, that's not true. You are, like, not me, you are the light of the world. You said, I am the light of the world. And it can't be both, right? Either Jesus is the light of the world or or we are the light of the world or somehow those go together. And if you read the entire verse in John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have this light in them as well. So Jesus was saying, I am the light of the world and everyone who follows me is the light of the world as well. So we said last week, drop Jesus into any problem, and the problem doesn't disappear, but peace can appear. Drop Jesus into the world, and peace comes to earth. Drop Jesus in our community, and peace comes to our community. Put Jesus in our families, and peace comes to our families. Or, Jesus says, do the same thing with you. Put you in the world. Put you in your community. Put you in your family, and peace should come. But that's hard, because even as followers of Jesus, we are very broken people. We're broken people living in a broken world, and most of us, we talked about the Bethlehem community last week, uh, not being an uncaring community, but being a community that cared so much about themselves first that they didn't have time for other people. And we just, we are in kind of a loud, brash world that wants to make sure we are okay, that wants to make sure we are heard, that wants to make sure we are right, that wants to make sure we are seen and all of those natural impulses in us really fight against peace because Jesus was not a stand up and look at me 
type of guy. And if we're followers of him, then then we should be, as the challenge of our message is today, we should be peacemakers on earth. He brings peace to us. We bring peace to others. Well, that kind of leads into my next question. You know, you quote from Matthew 5, you and I have stood on the Mount of Beatitudes in Israel and the Sea of Galilee. And, and that question comes right out of the Sermon on the Mount, that statement, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so why should our listeners ask themselves this question on a daily basis? Because it's really a powerful question if they will. So for me in the Beatitudes, you have um, you have statements of blessings, and then you have outcomes, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. That's a statement of blessing. But the outcome is you'll be called children of God. So why why should Christians want to be peacemakers? Because I think all of us want to be seen as children of our Heavenly Father. We all want to be seen um, as Jesus is seen. We we want people to say they belong to Him. Uh, those two go together. We have lots of families in our church that, man, the kids and the parents look so much like each other. It's scary, um, and it's really scary for the kids because as their parents age, they're probably going to look just like them. Just kidding. Um, but But you know what I mean, right? It's like, wow, you look so much like your mom. You look so much like your dad. And I think Christians should be people who we want people to come up to us and say, wow, you look like you look just like your dad. You look just like your spiritual father. And if we want to be seen as children's children of God, we have to be peacemakers. That's what Matthew 5 9 is telling us. Blessed are the peacemakers, because when people look at you, they're going to see you and think you look a lot like your heavenly father. You know, one of the things I hear a lot about your preaching in our church is that of authenticity and transparency when it comes to not being perfect. You know, in our world today, when people are closely watching the church as a whole or have a tainted perspective about it, why is it so important not to claim spiritual perfection, as you kind of mentioned in your message? Yeah, so we talked about if you want to have spiritual influence, you can only go one of two directions. You can either claim spiritual perfection or you have to learn to admit that you get it wrong and apologize. Like those are your only two options, claim to be perfect or learn to apologize. And not very many people that I know would claim to be perfect, yet not very many people that I know want to real quickly apologize for things. A lot of times we'd rather be right than be at peace with people. But it's interesting because our staff just last week did a little exercise on our spiritual fruit assessment. And we ask all our team on their spiritual fruit assessment, who are you on your best day? Who are you on your worst day? Who are you on your most stressed day? And the overwhelming majority of our of our ministry team, when we said, what is your lowest score? According to your friends, your family, your coworkers, those you lead, on your worst day, which fruit is least active? Which fruit disappears the quickest? And by far the overwhelming majority was peace. Like our ministry team, our shepherds, our pastors, our ministry directors would say under stress on my worst days, I am not a peacemaker. And and those are hopefully in our church, some of the best of the best, you know, hopefully among some of the most mature spiritually, hopefully among some of the most self-aware spiritually. So if that's what life does to you, when life squeezes on really bad days, if if you don't have peace in your spirit, you're not going to be a peacemaker in your relationships, which means you're going to get it wrong, 
which means to be a peacemaker after you get it wrong, you have to come back and admit that. You have to acknowledge that. You have to apologize for that. Uh, and you have to be willing to say, listen, my, I, I would like to have a lot more peace. I would like to give a lot more peace. I would like to bring a lot more peace to situations. But I reacted wrong there, and I misspoke there, and my body language was terrible there, and I hung up the phone too quick there, and I shouldn't have used all caps there, and I should not have even called you back until I talked to somebody else first. I mean, there, there's a hundred different ways to do it, but we talk about how to be a peacemaker, some of the just simple tools to use to be a peacemaker in your life, in your home, in your job in your family, in your network. And one of the great, one of the great tools of the peacemaker is the apology. Just learn to say, I'm sorry. And don't, don't even, don't even try to claim perfection. Just be willing quickly to say, I'm sorry. We said in our message, most people, most really good hearted Christians, when they mess up, they feel sorry, but peacemakers will say sorry. And there's a difference between, I feel bad about that. And going to tell somebody, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and I feel bad about that. Peacemakers say it. You know, a lot of the guys that I've been close to or been able to try to spiritually influence in the past or even recently will talk about struggles they have in the workplace, um, at times how they they don't look at all like a Christian and how they're striving to do so. And, you know, we've talked about, hey, you don't have to claim to have it all together as a Christian. In fact, it's really it's really great when you could admit that you don't. And you can, let's say you blow it and you say something you shouldn't to be able to come up to a coworker and say, hey, I know, I know you know I'm a Christian and I didn't look like it there. I just want you to know I'm sorry. I'm working on it. Because we have this perspective a lot of times that people have that people in church think they're perfect or people have a tainted view of it. And, and I've found that it, when people can be authentic and transparent and say, I'm sorry and say, hey, I'm, I'm I'm not all that, but I'm trying to be the best I can. It it can bring a perspective to people that Jesus is real in that person's life. They really are trying to be a peacemaker and trying to be an authentic Christian. So it happens in the workplace, and I think it happens at home when it when um, successfully. Yeah, and I think one of the most damaging things for the influence of the church is is when we try to claim spiritual perfection, or we hold. We hold people who are not Christians to a higher standard than we hold ourselves, right? They're not allowed to fail. They're not allowed to have addictions. They're not allowed to have habits. They're not allowed to hold grudges because Jesus would never do that. But then we turn around and do the same thing. So I think I think leveling the playing field by saying we are all broken people in a broken world. However, we are pursuing a different standard, and I missed it that time, and I'm sorry, yeah, is a, is a super powerful thing because it points out the standard without raising the level of self. It allows people to see what righteousness should look like without sensing any self-righteousness in a person, and I think it opens tremendous doors of evangelism and opportunity. You know, you, you touched on this a little bit, but you and I have done a lot of weddings, um, and, you know, we, we have similar challenges. I've sat in the audience when you've given one, and I'm like, I use that point, and, uh, you know, we've we've learned in similar fashions, but... Uh, I see some of the themes laced into this message, forgive and say, I'm sorry. No doubt. So yep. why, in a real in a real practical manner, why is being a peacemaker who forgives and says they're sorry so important in marriage with our kids and our daily relationships? So I think one of the fascinating things about this message is Jesus' Jesus' view on apologies through the lens of Old Testament worship. 
you know, that, that Jesus would say, as you're on your way with your sacrifice, sacrifices in Israel said two things, thank you and I'm sorry. I mean, like those were the two statements of sacrifice, the grain offering, the burnt offering, the fellowship offering. Thank you. Thank you, God, for my herds. Thank you for my flocks. Thank you for my crops. Thank you for my family. Thank you for our relationship. And I'm sorry, the sin offering and the guilt offering. I'm, I'm sorry. So Jesus says, as you approach God to say you're sorry, part of what God is going to do is he's going to help you not just understand the rules. I'm in Ezekiel in my Bible reading time right now, and Ezekiel keeps saying over and over, replace a heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Replace a heart of stone with a, with a heart of flesh. The original commands, covenants of God, were given on stone, the Ten Commandments. They were rules to follow. But Ezekiel said, God doesn't want you to have these exterior rules that you follow. He wants the rules to sink into your heart. So your heart then isn't just for God, but for everyone. So Jesus says, as you're on your way to say sorry to God, it should remind you, you might need to say sorry to others. So before you go say sorry to God with your sacrifice, remember your brother or sister who you might need to say sorry to and go tell them sorry. And then he says, do it quickly. Settle matters quickly and then come back and worship. So this picture that Jesus draws of us of for, of worship, and then later the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 saying that one of our pieces of armor that allows us not to keep sliding backwards spiritually, that allows us to move up tough hill spiritually, is the gospel of peace. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. We have to say, what does Jesus say about apologizing? What does Jesus say about forgiving? Because those words, that truth, what he lived, what he did, that is the gospel. And that gospel is what brings peace to my life. I think when we look at it through that lens, as Christians, it's so important to it's so important to understand when we get it wrong and repent and confess spiritually before God. And it's so important to understand forgiveness. We can never truly understand God's heart towards us until we are totally forgiven. So I think for the Christian, until you understand how to confess, apologize, and repent before God, until you really learn to accept forgiveness from God, you can't really be impacted deeply by Jesus. But Jesus says, as those things happen, they don't happen to you. They run through you. And as they run through you, you go from learning how to apologize and repent and confess before God to doing it before other people. And you not only learn how to accept forgiveness, but in the gospel, people who have been forgiven, they are willing to forgive. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's deserved. It doesn't mean that you trust people again. It doesn't even mean that relationships are restored but the Apostle Paul said, when I consider myself and I think that I'm probably the worst sinner that ever lived, and I think about Jesus forgiving me, and I look at someone else who's hurt me, it may not be easy, I may not want to, I might not ever even be able to emotionally, yet I will choose to try to be willing. I will choose to try to be willing because the only thing that can prove I understand how Jesus has forgiven me, uh, even though I didn't deserve it, um, and I couldn't have earned it is to try to be willing to forgive someone who didn't deserve it, who cannot earn it, um, who can't say sorry enough, but, but being willing to choose to forgive them. That That is the gospel. And when we understand that it happens not just to us but through us, it has to operate back out into the world. And Paul says the gospel brings peace, uh, peace that we're trying to find this Christmas, peace that we're trying to bring this Christmas as uh, as Christians, the gospel brings peace. It keeps us every time life sets us back from sliding backwards in battle. 
it allows us every time we're stuck to charge up the next hill of our spiritual growth in our understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, to us, through us, and what that means to people in our life throughout the world. Yeah, if the basis of our Christian faith is a Savior who forgave us, then it ought to be part of our daily walk. We ought to be thinking, how do I keep a clear account with people? Who's offended me and who have I offended? It shouldn't be something that I just randomly think about monthly. It ought to be a daily thing. So, And it's, and it's not easy. No, not easy. And it's, it's messy. Um, and sometimes it's dangerous. I mean, sometimes you should talk to a counselor because there might be somebody listening who was abused by a spouse who needs to forgive but also never re-engage in a, in a harmful relationship. It's, it's hard. It's messy. But Christians have to be willing to, to choose to forgive. It's the only way we can be peacemakers uh, by choosing, even though it's hard, to be willing to forgive and, and at least walking down that road to see what Jesus does in us and through us as we try to do that. Uh, as we wrap up, you, you talk about learning to give a soft answer. I feel like we live in a culture where anger is, man, right below the surface in many people's lives and dealing with conflict, responding to a spouse, dealing with children. Why is learning to give a soft answer and having characteristics of a peacemaker that you outline, uh, why are these so uh, areas so critical? Well, I would say this. For those people who have anger right below the surface, we would call them the healthy ones because most people have allowed it to surface fully, yeah, right. right? And it has surfaced on their social media. It has surfaced on their face. It has surfaced in their relationships. It has surfaced in how they talk to their kids' teachers and their coaches and their bosses and their coworkers. Um, so if you have anger right below the surface, good for you. <laughs> like that is a, you know, that, that is a start of, job. <laughs> of pushing it. Yeah. In the, in the right direction. Um, we have to learn to be soft for this reason. Proverbs 15.1 says a soft answer turns away anger, but a harsh answer stirs things up. We know that to be the case. Jesus said it would be better to get hit twice than to counterpunch. Uh, that's what we learned through this message. And when we look at what James, Jesus' little brother, had to say about it in James 3, bottom line, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Righteousness means right standing with God. A soft answer may not make you right in the eyes of men, but if it makes you right in the eyes of God, like that's the goal, right? I mean, that's the goal. So why learn to give a soft answer? Because it has to be more important to be right in the eyes of God than right in the eyes of men. So sometimes you just shut up um, and, and you're considerate. And you're submissive, even though you could be strong, you choose to be submissive. You're full of mercy, even though you could be full of strength um, and combative. You're merciful. You're full of fruit. I said on Sunday, none of the fruit is being right, right? There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A lot of Christians would like to put a tenth fruit in there, being right, being loud and being right all the time. That's not one of the spiritual fruit that help people see Jesus. Being impartial, which means you don't care so much about being on the right side of anything but Jesus that you're willing to put your dukes up and counterpunch it out over your favorite restaurant, your favorite college team, your political party, um, your stance on issues. Like we just don't punch it out 
over anything but Jesus and the gospel and who he is. And then we're sincere. And again, we get to we get to reap righteousness. We get to have a right standing with God and being right with God is so much more important than being right with man that we learn to give a soft answer. Or I said in my message, sometimes no answer. It's in our head. But we just think, you know what? Speaking this is not going to bring peace to anything. So I'm just going to be quiet this this year around the Christmas table as you're opening your Christmas presents. When your aunt and uncle and your cousins and your brothers and your sisters and your mom and dad start popping off, start trying to bait you. Give a soft answer or give no answer. Let peace win. Let peace rule. Leave the house with them knowing they might have got one up on you, but God knowing you're right beside him and right in his eyes because you were a peacemaker who sowed peace and you reaped righteousness, a right standing with God because of your heart towards others. Well, if you're listening and, and maybe you're striving for peace this Christmas and, and maybe on a daily basis throughout the year, Pastor Christian provided a, a Christmas 2018 peace plan that involved four steps. Uh, number one, reading his story, the story of Jesus, reading the book of Luke, one chapter of day, concluding on Christmas Day. Number two, talking to Jesus, praying and asking Jesus to bring peace in your family and in your community. And three, following Jesus in baptism. Many followers of Jesus wait sometimes years. Uh, we're challenging you to, to not wait, to step forward, to say, I'm ready to be baptized. We have that on December 16th. You can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. We'd love to talk with you more about it. And then fourth, uh, finally, meditate and memorize Isaiah 26.3. Um, we encourage you to participate and, and watch the Prince of Peace, as you do this, bring peace to your life this Christmas season. Uh, our eight Christmas services are right around the corner, and if you're listening, we hope you'll join us in person for one of them. Uh, we invite you to, to RSVP yourself and hopefully a friend or a family member or co-worker at our registration website. You can go to www.christmasatjci.com. You can register there. You can see how full the service is. We hope you'll come and join us in person. Uh, we want to thank you for listening today. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.